Dear Shooter, Only three countries in the world have a constitutional right to bear arms. Unfortunately, the rest of the world doesn't like the idea of an armed populace. This can make global travel complicated for those of us who value self-defense. So how can you see the sights and still maintain some security? Pack your wits and hop a flight. Here's how to stay safe on your travels. checking because I'm like getting the stink eye here. Go do your thing. But get good at your craft first and put your budget to things that really matter at the end of the day. You want to get good at it. And make no mistake about it. That's training. Let's face it. If you have a size 62 waist, you are not as tactical as 5'11 might think you are. And we've all seen it. Welcome to the Deer Shooter Podcast. I am your host, Jason Crotto. Deer Shooter is brought to you by WyoTac, Empowerment Through Self-Reliance, and Lucid Optics, on target, under budget. Well, happy Thursday, and, and we have returned from the land of people who know how to pronounce our name. Um, nah, uh. it, it, was, it was a shocker. I mean, we, we, we had a layover in Paris, and people there could pronounce it. Wait, the French folks actually got this right? Yeah, well, it is French. Weird. The, the only other place I've been was Louisiana, so the French Cajuns. Ireland did okay with it, too. Ireland did. But they did say they're just across the pond from France. So. They are. They are. I think there's a tunnel. Hmm. Did the accent help? Uh, Yeah. And and they, they actually had proper pronunciation, which I don't even have. Weird. All right. Yeah. All right. It was crazy. So Ireland, for how many days were you gone? Oh, I don't even know at this point. Nine? Forever. It seemed like that to me. I was <laughs> like, if you had a number, the listeners might actually I, appreciate I, I think we. I think uh, total travel, we were 11 days. Um, and that included two travel days on each end. Um, the dogs pretty much thought we were left forever and ever and ever. They counted, and they panicked. Well, you were gone forever. I had to man the shop by myself. <laughs> How did you ever manage? Uh, well, it was okay until the fire. <laughs> we told you not to burn the place down I know <laughs> I usually like, hide the matches, that's why It looked like fun and sounded like a good idea at the time Yeah, well, we know about those good ideas Did you wear just the shirt, the, the, in my defense, I was left unsupervised? I did and I, and I looked in the mirror and went, oh, this is bad <laughs> The second I put it on, I knew it was going to be a day Yeah, it was a day So, uh, uh, this topic kind of came up because of our, our travel and, and and knowing we were going to you know kind of the the british isles and knowing how the the brits feel about firearms and self-defense i mean i think you have to have a permit to buy a kitchen knife there um when i left here i was as as far as being armed and defended uh, i was pretty much naked i uh, didn't even carry a flashlight with me which is I I don't go anywhere without something. So, you didn't do flashlight. You didn't do your pocket knife. No. No med kit. No med kit. Didn't even have med kit. Yeah. Toenail clippers. I think we had those in the suitcase. But they they were checked. 
they were checked. So yeah. they weren't like necessarily on you. Interesting. You were pretty much disarmed. Yeah. Yeah, completely. So we had Brandy's wits. Uh, yeah, we had that. Um, and my anger. That's formidable, all in itself. Yeah. You know, so it was it was looking for ways to make sure that we we had some kind of line of defense the the whole time we were there, without having necessarily the tools that we would normally have, and that that could be a challenge. Um, you know, we talked about there. There's only three countries in the world that have a constitutional right to bear arms, and, and it surprised me. So, of course, there's the U.S., but uh, the other two are Mexico and Guatemala. Um, Written into their constitution. Yes. Now, uh, I was reading, and I, I believe there was eight or nine other countries that had this at one point, but that have since amended their constitutions to eliminate it. Because politicians don't want to not have to think. Right. Because if the populace is armed... They have to consider the fact that they have to do the right thing. Right. Right. And so these countries that, that had it and rescinded it, um, how many of them, I, you may not know off the top of your head, but how many of them dabbled in socialism? Oh, I, I, I would assume just about every one. I know, I know Australia was one. Um, I, I, I didn't dig too deep into it because I, it, what, what difference does it make? They can't carry so no no i understand the point it just it cause and effect in a perverse sense of curiosity but right. and and that's not to say that that people in those countries can't can't have firearms i know uh czech republic allows um for concealed carry and and home defense and firearms uh and even ireland where we were at uh there's there's a permit process but their citizens are allowed to have firearms Okay, but it's not necessarily recognized as a right. It's it's not a right. Um, it is they're they're heavily regulated, heavily permitted. Um, it's one of those things where if you have them in your home, uh, you know, we were talking to some of the people in Ireland. If you have them in your home, they have to be collector items and they have to be uh, inert. They have to be made uh, unfireable. Uh, the ones that you do have that are functional, they have to be kept at a gun club. Um, of course, under lock and key, ammunition separate, all this and that and the other. So um, heavily restricted. But what I find interesting is we open with a factoid that it's Mexico and Guatemala that right. has it written into their constitution. So all you screwballs on the left, take notice. Because even a constitutional right to keep and bear arms does not negate crime. No, absolutely not. Uh, you know, I mean, we we all know that that Mexico is pretty much run by the cartels, and and Guatemala is the same way. You know, Guatemala ships all of their people through Mexico to get here. This is true. Interesting. So, all right, you you jump off the United States pretty much naked. Yep. Um, you land in Dublin after one little thing or another, but you land in Dublin, right? Eventually. And you find your hotel. Kind of part of town was it in? Um, we were we were just off of city center, so so dead center. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, so potential for shenanigans yep. is there. Yep. What was your first security mindset? My self awareness came up uh-huh. a lot. Paying attention. Mm-hmm. Good. What else hit? Um, you know, not making sure cell phone was 
you know, not sitting there looking at cell phone all the time. Uh, granted, we we had our phones in our hands a lot. We were taking pictures. We were, you know, touring places and things like that. But I had it in my hands a lot because they recommended that we did not put anything in our back pockets right. at all. So I held on to my cell phone. So they warned you about crime right out of the gate. Yes. Okay. And that was that was on the way to the hotel from the airport. Um, so the first thing I did was make sure I had nothing in my, in my back pockets, my, my wallet, um, any cash or anything I had went in my front pockets deep. Um, even my cell phone went in my front pocket. So I made sure I had nothing behind me. And, and the other thing that I did and, and Brandy and I kind of discussed this a couple of times while we were there was, you know, cause we were, you know, it was tourist season there. There's people everywhere. So my main concern was just don't let anybody get close to you. Don't let anybody get, you know, able to touch you. That, that was my big thing. So situational awareness and personal space, mm-hmm. which requires situational awareness. Right. All right. The personal space is kind of rough. So you get there, you know, over the weekend times in Dublin is very, very crowded. So what you would call your personal space here in Wyoming is not personal space there. Internationally, when I've traveled, I've noticed that most places, um, that boundary is a lot closer than it's comfortable for me. Yeah. Um, the Asian countries, China, Japan, they don't have zero personal space. No. Uh, I mean, zero. And, and, it, and it's like that in, in Europe, too. Um, my thing was trying to, as much as I could, try to maintain an arm's length as much as possible and and for the most part we were able to do that there were certain places that we went where you just you just couldn't and and that was when you know it was hyper aware uh making sure that you're making eye contact with people around you okay so now you're situational aware and you got your personal space somewhat under control mm-hmm. um you have to start paying attention to details mm-hmm. your ingress and egress plan needs to come up because you don't know where you're at. Fortunately, I, I, that was, uh, and of course, situationally aware, uh, I was always hyper aware of where we were in relation to where we needed to be. Um, so hotel, you know, basically our base camp, I knew how to get back from anywhere we went to. And from for some reason, I don't even know why or how, but every city we visited... When we would walk around and tour, we successfully found the police station in every town. <laughs> we did. Not on purpose. We're like, hey, there they are. We did. I, and it was just pure coincidence. But everywhere we went, we found it. And they weren't like, it wasn't like we walked up the main way and they were there. No, we went, oh, there's a park there and that's beautiful. And then we're like, ooh, we should start heading back. So we turn up a street and we're like, hey, there they are. Mm-hmm. So not incredibly hard to find. No. No. Well, good. No, and that and that's one thing that I I've always kind of liked about Europe, and and, and uh, something that I gripe about constantly about the U.S. Uh, the police there are easy to spot and easy to find. They're wearing fluorescent colors. It's not hard to find. Well, and and look at their cars. They're they're easy to see. They're there to help. Here we had road pirates. There they. They're there to serve the populace. Well, that's probably a fair statement. I mean, did you have any interaction with them? Talk to any of them at all? Yeah, other than you know, we there was there were some mining a gate that we went through, and and it was 
hi, hello, how are you kind of thing. Um, so polite in nature. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, ours, ours, a lot of the times, aren't necessarily polite. No. No. Um, you know, there it was, uh, you know, I think I had a maybe a 30-second exchange with, with a couple of the, the officers there. And, and very nice, very polite. Um, happy to have us there. All right. So... So you're disarmed walking around Dublin. Um, did oh. you at any point try and find yourself something temporary? Um, no. Why not? Not knowing how the laws work, but knowing how it is, especially in Great Britain, and I didn't know how different the laws were going to be because Northern Ireland is still controlled by Great Britain. Um, while Southern Ireland, which is where we were, is, is actually its own republic. They, they have separated completely. But I know how Great Britain works. And um, I know that Great Britain, let's say I had an umbrella, and we were attacked, and I used that umbrella for self-defense. Um, I will now be prosecuted for assault with a deadly weapon. Hmm. That's the way the law works over there. It could work that way here, too, but... It could. My personal comfort zone, I'd like to have something in the hand. Uh, agreed. Um, for the most part, um, it was it was maintaining that personal space, maintaining eye contact with anybody that got close, letting them know I knew they were there. Uh, I know that, that that's always so far uh, in, in the travels that I've done overseas. If... If a bad guy knows that you know they're there, a lot of times they'll move on. Um, in fact, most of the time. Agreed. I also did a lot of speaking to them, and they would either say hello back, or they would look down and head off a different direction. Right. So speaking to them seemed to help. The folks that you engage with are less likely to be a threat than the folks that won't make eye contact and move away. Human nature is one of those things, part of your situational awareness. Pay attention to that. They're, they're telling you something by not saying something. Mm-hmm. What I always had on the top of my mind as well, all that martial arts that you trained me through high school and stuff, I'm like, this may apply. I may need to use it. Mm-hmm. Never did. Now, there was there was somebody there that was also a tourist that was wandering around about the same area we were that actually did run into something and I guess ended up hospitalized over the deal. I never saw that. I never saw anybody get injured by anybody else. I never saw robberies. I never saw any of that. But there, I guess there was one tourist there at the same time as us that did run into some issues. All right. So the, the, the element exists, and let's just say everywhere. Well, and it, I mean, and and uh, apparently, it's, you know, we say Dublin. Um, the locals refer to it as Dublin. Um, I've been saying it wrong all this time. Yeah, I have been too. Um, <laughs> I, I I started pronouncing it right, and the only thing I can figure is I had enough Guinness to pick up a little bit of accent. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, we all know um, tourists in foreign countries are are like first on the list for criminals. Well, it's a target. You're you, you're horribly out of your element. You taking in the sights you not necessarily pay attention as a stereotype um, you don't think about the conscious effort to protect yourself like moving all your stuff to your front pockets 
um, there's probably a lot of folks that just didn't do that. There was a lot of ladies carrying those purses and a lot of backpacks, which, yeah, well, it's it's a flag. Hey, come steal me. The other thing is you always need to be on the sidewalk because they haul ass everywhere and they're not coming from the direction you're used to them coming from. They do it funny on the wrong side of the road. But you're on the sidewalk. Well, now you're right at somebody's front door because those front doors are right there. Like if you walked by when somebody was coming out of their house, you'd get smacked with the door. The doors open out? Yes. Well, well that's interesting. Well, and, and also keep in mind, okay, you have, you know, uh, two-lane traffic going either direction, and their entire roadway is probably the width of what we would consider one lane here. Yeah, like like an alley instead of a street. Um, one of the things that I remarked, you know, looking around, like there was places the tour bus it had a hard time getting through. And, and I remember looking at Brandy at one point and going, you know, uh, our truck would never make it here. We, we couldn't drive it anywhere because the roads are, aren't, aren't big enough. That and diesel appears cheaper than it is. Yeah, yeah that's because it's by the liter. <laughs> I was like, well, look at those prices. He goes, yeah, that's by the liter, not the gallon. I'm like, oh, never mind. Yeah. I did, and I, we, were, we, were, we were on the bus at one point, and we did kind of boring section, so I, I did the math on it, and it ended up being like, it was like a little over $7 a gallon. Oof, ouch. Um, I, wow. I figured out to, to fill up our truck, it was going to be over $200. Wow. All right. So cars are smaller? Much smaller. Way smaller. But and they, the, a we, lot of the hybrids, so that you hear the engines die at the stop sign thing. There's a lot of that. And they drive fast? Extremely. Yes. How are their moving violations? I mean, the rules of the road. I don't know if they enforce that too much as long as you're safe. I mean, they did have speed limits per se, but I never saw a police officer pull over a car. All right. All right. So, so I guess until you actually do something, you hurt somebody or you damage something, I'm not sure that I think they're too busy for that. Now, we did drive by a speed trap. Interesting. Um, so they, so they, do, they do do enforcement. Okay, it's not in the really, city. No, it was. It was on a. It was well. I, I I hesitate to call it a highway, but it was outside town. You yeah. are clearly police marked. One, well, I think, yeah, clearly, and oh, their lights yeah. are on. And I think where they were speed trapping, it was because people were hauling ass, and they they had construction going where things went down to one lane. Ah, okay, and mm-hmm. the thing with that is their roads are not like ours. So they were there really as presence, creating awareness for the road construction people working on the road. I, I, yeah. Because their roads don't have whatever it takes that make ours, you know, smooth on flat surfaces. They just literally put the asphalt down, and as it sinks, it sinks. And so sometimes that 80 kilometers per hour was a little fast because you were doing some whoop-de-woos. Well, and I think I think the fastest speed limit sign I saw was a 100 kilometers per hour, which is about 55. Okay. All right. So you're not really getting too fast. No. But it seems fast because it's tight quarters. Oh. Well, that, and there are other, there, there are people who don't mind that. Sure. Sure. Now, I know the, the guy that picked us up from the airport, um, and we that that was the only time we ever got to ride with him, uh, but he was a Thank former God. Formula One driver. So this he now he drives a tour bus. Um, 
so that I, I was kind of disappointed that he wasn't our bus driver because that could have been interesting. Yeah, that could have been shady as shit. He would have got us there on time. Hey, we were in traffic on a Friday morning. We landed at like 7.15 in the morning. We were in morning traffic. He still got us to the hotel in like 15 minutes. Just pow. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> Man, or just... You, you ever weave in a bus? It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, you guys did this kind of traveling tour thing, though. You didn't just stay in Dublin. No, we did We did several towns, which none of them I pronounced correctly. But, like the one, I always say Kilkenny. I think it's Kilkenny. But I always say Kilkenny, and the first thing I think of is South Park. So <laughs> They killed Kenny. Oh, my God, they killed Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we did, we did the Southern Loop, and I want to say we stopped at the bigger places. I mean, we did one day for lunch stop at a really small village. But for the most part, they put us in the big cities with the big downtown shopping areas, that kind of thing. And that was those were the those were the two places. So so Dublin and Galway uh, were the two places that we really kind of got turned loose on our own a little bit. And and those were the two places that I I made sure like hyper awareness, uh, making sure I knew how to get back to where we needed to be. Uh, keeping that personal space as much as possible and and making sure, like, when we started going into crowds and stuff, I moved everything in front pockets. Funny thing is, is Dublin is much larger. It's a really large city. Galway's not as large, but I felt a little more uneasy in Galway than I did Dublin. Interesting. See, when I travel, I found myself seeking out groups like intentionally going to a, a beer garden or finding a pub um, to where you're not isolated out there on your own, making yourself a victim. When you guys did tours like this, did you stay with a group? Did you find the pub? What did you do? We, not, we didn't really stay with the group all the time, but we did break up and we took turns hanging out with each other. Mm-hmm. So And it was convenient because our group was mostly U.S. and Canada. So right. we spoke common language, common custom, you know. Well, and we were in an English-speaking country, which helped. Sure. Now, you know, some but of the... But you didn't find yourself seeking out people to be a part of a group rather than isolation. Not really. I think the locals, I think they put us on streets where they store, they keep the tourists. <laughs> like because Vegas there wasn't, the yeah, there wasn't, yeah. there was a few locals, but not really so much. No, and, and and a lot of places we were had the feel of, you know, it, it, if you've been to Fremont Street in Vegas, um, they kind of had that feel. An outdoor kind of venue. Yeah. All right. Um, you know, you got shops on either side of the street, a lot of people milling around, um, but it, it, it had that feel. There was a lot going on, and that and that's where the, the hyper-awareness goes on because, you know, the pickpockets and the gypsies, and so that's, that's what they look for. Um, so knowing, knowing what makes you a victim, I think helps more than anything. I would agree with you. That's why I was kind of leading you into the topic because isolated out there on your own, walking the streets that not everybody's on that can bring attention to you because obviously you don't fit in. Well, we never, you know, we never took off anywhere where there weren't people, um, so it was wasn't there a place with no people. Cause I don't think that was possible. No, there, there really wasn't. And and most of the people there were tourists, so I wasn't too terribly worried about it. It was that, 
one out of 500 that's there as a predator. Um, and that's what I was looking for. Um, it's pretty pretty easy to dismiss most people because tourists are pretty obvious. Uh, but then again, that goes to situational awareness and, and being trained on what to look for. Ah, all right. So you said the T word. Yes, I did. So is there training out there people can find, maybe kind of prep them for some travel? That's a situational awareness class. Talk them through some things to think about. There is. Um, and oddly enough, I think one of the best ones out there is an NRA course called Refuse to Be a Victim. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, an incredible course. And it's and it's not just travel. It's, it's things like cybersecurity, security in your home, security in your vehicle, your office, your place of business. Um, all of these things. I mean, it's things, it's, it's things as stupid as um, I, I'm... I'm a big advocate of, of practicing kind of the gray man technique. Uh, I, I, you know, I think we've talked about this before, and, and, and Brandy, you give me shit for this all the time because I drive white pickups. Well, what's the most common vehicle on the road in the United States? It's a white pickup. Because it's a fleet truck. Exactly. Fleet. You know, it's a farm truck. It's a contracting truck. It's, you know, everybody drives them. But here's what I do. There are no identifying decals or stickers or anything on it. It is just plain as can be. Gotta stop putting your family on your car, yo. Yep. Oh, the family, little little individual folks and the dog. And all yeah. That. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, stop, stop putting information on your vehicle that's going to sit there and tell a criminal where your kids go to school, how many you've got. Do you have a dog? Oh, okay, you you put some motorcycle decal or gun decal on your truck. Hey, break into me first. Or, hey, um, I'm going to follow this home and figure out where they live. And then next time they leave, I'm going to break into the house. Um, other things with your vehicle. Stop putting home into your navigation system. Um, in your cell phone. Don't put your spouse down as hubby or wifey. Put their freaking name in there, okay? Because then it's real easy for a criminal to, okay, they kidnap you, they take your phone, and now they're texting your spouse, and your spouse now thinks everything's okay, but they know you're not home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All great tips. Just as you prepare for travel, these are those things that, Nobody thinks about, and if you put them in your phone, you think it's anecdotal. You might even think it's funny, and it is clever, and it has some personality to it. But that's kind of what they're looking for too. Mm-hmm. Those identifier pieces, right? You know, and the and the other thing we talk about with travel, uh, you know, we talk about you know what a criminal looks for. They're looking for that tourist that's unaware that's out of their element. They're not quite sure where they're at, where they're supposed to go. They're, they're trying to figure out landmarks. They're trying to you know, orient themselves. They're confused. They're a little nervous because maybe they don't know the language. They don't know the culture. And typically, tourists are carrying money. Um, Almost or always. Or they've been, they've been shopping. Almost always. Um, they're ripe targets. Yeah, predators know this. That's what I'm saying. When you when you travel, think about it a little bit. 
if you do the shopping thing, don't load yourself down with a bunch of specialty bags from the shopping area. Right. Because now you've just advertised. One, you've just spent a bunch of money, and the things you have are valuable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And make frequent trips back to your hotel room if you need to, and get rid of that stuff. Don't carry it around. Right. Um, avoid the big backpacks. The big ones. I, and I have no problems with a small backpack. In a lot of ways, when I went to China, um, the trick to being in country, any third world country, was travel and mobility. And to do that effectively, I had a day or two change of clothes mm-hmm. in a backpack. I had two or three meals worth of snacks in my backpack because mm-hmm. you couldn't always trust the local food. I mean, there were lots of reasons but don't put your wallet in your backpack. Oh, put God, that in no. the front pocket. No, no, wallet yep. and passport and all that. that in case someone locations. rips that backpack yep. off of you. I was actually really surprised how many women were carrying those backpack purses. Mm-hmm. And the zippers are right on the back. And these people are smooth, y'all. Oh, you can't feel it when they do this stuff. They, they've been training since they were five years old. This is what they do for a living. And it is heck convenient to have that with you, but... It makes you a target. Well, and okay, and if if you're going to carry a backpack, I like the the satchel packs that that go the cross body over your shoulder. Okay, if you're going to do a full backpack, don't do the one arm thing. If you're carrying a purse, make sure that you've got a strap long enough to go over your head so it's around your body that they can't just run past you and grab and go. I watched a couple things in Kunming, China. We were in a huge city center. And there were young men and women running around with backpacks, um, couriers, people that traveled with goods and valuables. Um, they would wear their backpack on their front, mm-hmm. both arms through the straps, but you know, they could hug the backpack and keep what they were having in a initial grab type of incident. Now, I saw a lot of people, um, they had fanny pack-like, um, but they and they would wear it you know, over their head, over their shoulder, almost like a slung rifle, but the bag was in the front. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was that was really smart. Running through Rome, I saw several very sharp, very thin blades slide in, cut the strap on a fanny pack, and they were gone into the crowd where you can't chase them. Right. So uh, single strap stuff, says it's a risk. Right. Stay on the main streets. So Absolutely. Ireland is highly regulated they had cameras almost every second building facing the street you go down one of those weird ass alleyways you've put yourself in danger absolutely they no longer see it he didn't like it so much because you're being monitored everything you do you're being monitored well yes but there's a purpose and i can see that it it's a it detours well, it's a, i mean it is it's a, it's a double-edged sword but um, it depends on why you're there if you're there to enjoy yourself and just hang out and be part of the culture, it's no big deal. No. If you've got another purpose, okay, avoid that stuff. But then it goes, you know, and and, and, and Brandy said something when, it, when I made mention of it. She goes, well, as long as you're not doing anything wrong, what do you have to worry about? And, and okay, I agree that to a point, um, but I'm also an American, and, and I believe in privacy rights. But you're not in America. I'm not, and you know, you and don't I'm not have those rights. That's right, and and I and I have to accept that. Well, let's just put it out there right now, Americans. If you travel, you're not in America anymore. You touch that other sovereign soil, 
you have to deal with their legal system now. Mm-hmm. You don't have rights. No, you absolutely you can don't. You apply for concession at an embassy and hopefully get your case sorted out. But at the end of the day, put your ego aside, and you're one of them now. That's right. And 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 as and, and when you do travel, yeah, definitely put your ego and put your attitude aside. You're in their country. Um, Sincerity and politeness will go a long way. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. But uh, you, you, and you bring up an interesting thing. One of the things that we we were looking at um, when we were on the flight over, um, Brandy and I were talking about a little bit, and it was, where's the embassy? Uh, if you're traveling to a foreign country, that's a good thing to know, uh, because if you do find yourself in trouble, get there. Yeah, say your country shuts down for whatever reason. The country you're in shuts down. You can't get in or out. You're going to need the embassy. So the first before we even landed, we knew where the embassy was. Embassy location and the phone number. Mm-hmm. Put it in your phone. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing to have. And, and, you know, and we're not even talking about, you know, it... Look, you're in a foreign country. Um, terrorist attacks, um, chemical spills, natural disasters, they still happen. Well, it could be as simple as losing your passport. Right. That ID is your ticket in and out. That's right. And it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stolen, misplaced, locked up in the hotel safe. Right. Whatever. If you don't have it, you need some help. Well, it, it, exactly, and it and it is easy, and especially like where we were at, I, we were in in what like four or five different hotels over the course of seven days. Um, you know, as much as we were unpacking, repacking, shuffling things around, I mean, how easy would it have been to lose one of our passports? Now, I was very, very careful to have all of that documentation on me all the time, just in case. Something I do when I travel is I will take a photocopy of my passport. And I will give it to a friend that's here domestic. Mm-hmm. And if I need it, I can make a phone call and it can be taken a picture of in a phone and sent out again. Right. Just to verify, to grease the wheel, to get some help. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they don't know you. No, they don't. No. So, no, yeah. So, definitely know, know your embassy. Um, you know, and like you said, location and phone number, those are going to be huge. And a lot of times, if you, you know, if you get on the website, They'll tell you who the ambassador is and who you need to talk to if you get in trouble. All good information. And I hope you don't plan your trip around that kind of stuff. But having it in your back pocket is a good idea. It, was, it wasn't like we're like, oh, God, this is going to be horrible. It's just, hey, this would just be handy to know in case like anything could happen to our country, too, that they no longer allow flights in. I mean, things can happen Anywhere. I had folks that I knew, family members, that were out of the country when 9-11 happened. Mm -hmm. And they were delayed indefinitely. It turned out to be three weeks. But they were told that they might not be able to go home. Planes weren't flying. Right. So, yeah, something could happen at home, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's why we brought several credit cards. And they weren't always honest. There was always something left somewhere else in case it got stolen, whatever. We kept things Well, and, and we, actually, we actually had an incident um, while we were there. The, the, the main credit card that I was using uh, had a fraud charge on it. So, of course, immediately the, the credit card company cancels the card. And now they're sending me a new one and everything. And it was, but but if, had that been the only card we'd had on us, we'd have been screwed. 
It would take you days to get that sorted out. Yeah. And in, in the meantime, you're stuck. Right. Right. Well, and, and, and you're stuck, and okay, you, you know they're not going to get it handled in the time that, like, we're, we're coming home because this happened on, like, day three. Yeah. You know, we, we, we had basically, what, three days to get this sorted out to make it home. Um, they, they weren't going to get it done. Plus, I'm in a foreign country. Where do they send it? And now I have no way to pay for an extended hotel stay. That's right. And that's why we also went and did an exchange. We also had some of their local currency on hand mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Now, with, with local currency, we, we, I, this thing kind of snuck up on me because we've been so busy and everything. But um, if, you're, if you're going to a foreign country, here, here's what you do for your currency exchange. Go to your bank and do this a month ahead of time. Go to them, say, I want to exchange $800 into X currency. Your, your local bank will, will likely do it for a very minimal charge or sometimes for free, depending on you know, what you're doing, as long as they have enough time to do it. Um, currency exchange over there, um, now when I looked at it... It was quite the fine. Well, it, okay, so we, we were you doing things in euros. Well, the the current exchange rate when we exchange, um, it was uh, ninety one cents on the dollar for a euro. Um, however, because of the fees that they charged, um, we still came out about fifty dollars behind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, so if you've got if you've got the time, do it a month before you go. Uh, and and you can avoid a lot of that stuff. People get all twisted around the axle trying to figure out the exchange rates and how to make that come out in the positive. And just you, you're not going to. It, it is what it is. You just you know. By the time you exchange money and deal with fees, like you were saying, um, you're going to be a percentage off or two in the negative. It's just the way that it works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Almost always. Doesn't matter if you're doing. Euros or Rand or RMB or the Hong Kong dollar or the peso. The exchange rate, while it might work out in your favor once or twice, in the long run, it just doesn't. Well, and that's why that's why I say do it ahead of time. Do it with your local bank because then you're more you're much more likely to come out ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, now, here's the other thing though: uh, the prices that we that we saw over there. Very similar to kind of what we see U.S. pricing um, for for the item versus the price. I thought everything was kind of in line. Um, now, they had an 11% sales tax. Ouch. Yeah. 11% every time you bought something. 11%. So, um, if, if for the U.S. dollar... We were, let's say, 2% behind the curve because of that sales tax. Now, in Ireland, they do have a way you get, like, half of it gave us this card that they loaded on. Every time you spend over $75, they loaded it onto this card. The other half had some sort of receipt-saving thing. Mm-hmm. So there was two programs going that you had to keep track of. Now, you get your sales tax back. However, you have to get to the airport early enough to have all that paperwork done and all that crap done. And we decided it wasn't worth it at the time because it would have been like 20 bucks. Because we didn't buy a lot of shit. 
Well, I mean, there comes a point where it's like, all right, I just donated to the local economy, and it's fine. Well, right. yeah, we use their parks like, and yeah. everything else, so but really. If you went and made big purchases, and you were. Like if I bought a house, yeah, yeah something big. Well, I mean, property excluded. I mean, I, tangible items, something that you should probably get your sales tax back for because you're taking it out of the country, right? Right. You're not supporting the road program. You're not helping their police department, whatever that tax is for. Um I can see where that's a beneficent thing for an international traveler to take advantage of. Mm-hmm. And in most places, you have to ask about it. Some of them will tell you. Some you have to ask. And again, there's in Southern Ireland anyway, there's two. One's digital on a card. The other one you have to save the receipts on for everything. Okay. They were nice enough to give you an envelope to do that, though. Oh, um, nice! But it, you know, and and that was one of the things we didn't we didn't find out until we we actually got to Dublin Airport to leave. We we were picked up by the taxi at three a.m. We had a six o'clock flight, and when we got to the airport, got checked in, we found out that we were placed on standby. Wait, what? Yeah, um, and none of our none of our paperwork up front uh, told us anything like that. And I tell you what, had I known, um, I would have planned a little bit better, and we would have spent a couple extra days in Paris, but that's neither here nor there. So just reel me a question real quick. You show up to the airport and surprise your standby. Yes. So how does their version of TSA work? I mean, you're standing at the counter. You don't have a boarding pass. No. Well, no. Well, no, they gave us a boarding pass. Yeah, we got a boarding pass, but, but the thing is, is you cannot go through security until you have an assigned seat. Right. So you really, I mean, you don't have a boarding pass. No. They you, hand you they one. They show you that, yeah, you're kind of on this flight. If there's a seat available, yep. maybe. I mean, that's but what they, standby but means. But they don't allow you to go through security. Like in the U.S., they'll still put you through security, and you sit at the gate hoping. There, you don't even get to go through security. Yeah, so you're on the now, other side out by the counter. Now, I will tell you this. Um, security in in Ireland, we were through it in five minutes. You put all your stuff in in the buckets like you do here, you know, computer separate, whatever, whatever. You do not take your shoes off. You walk through what appears to be a metal detector. You clear that, you grab your shit, and you go. All right. So it's actually like it should be. Yes. All right. It, it, it was very, very efficient. Um, but, you know, that being said, it, it was there was, the, there was some frustration because we couldn't even check in for our flight. And they kept moving the goalpost on us. So we checked in, and it was, it was what, about 4.15 in the morning. We, we get checked in, and they're like, well, you're on standby. Come back and see us at 5, because that's when they can stop. That's when they stop selling tickets for the flight. Which sucks, because that's a long-ass line. Like, it took us an hour to get through the line the first time. Yeah, well, and, it, and, it, and, and my frustration with that was, wait a minute, we already paid for the flight. You know, what, what is this you can sell more tickets? And, and that's just an airline industry thing, gripe anyway. But when I oh, five o'clock rolls around and oh no, come back at five fifteen. Wait, excuse me, you Good. just told me five. All right, so you you've got a standby ticket, which you paid for. Mm-hmm. Could you have had the conversation? And this is me just thinking outside the box. But all right, I'd like to buy a seat. Um, not with the gal at the ticket counter because um she reminded me of miss crunchable but that's like her job to sell seats right 
and we'd already purchased but we'd a already seat. Purchased. So here's the thing. Yeah, we you went, don't have a seat. You're standby. Well, well we uh, went through a travel agency and booked this tour, and the flight was part of it, so they booked the flights. My gripe is they should have never put a tour group on a standby seat. No, no absolutely not. But uh, where I'm going with this, <laughs> I, 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 do have, I do have a point. I'm kind of roundabout here. But uh, <laughs> once you leave the United States... Be prepared to just roll with the punches because they will come. A little patience is a good thing. Um, and and make the best of your situation. Like I said, had I known what I know now about our flight and everything else, I would have said, you know what, screw it. Um, you know, I know how Air France works, and they are more than happy to bump you to another flight. We just spent a couple days in Paris. The cool part about that is Wilson would have been teaching your class tomorrow. He would have been. <laughs> I can handle that. It would have been fine. It's, it's, it's day one. It's easy. I'll, I'll shoot you the PowerPoint. I don't even need easy. I can handle it. It would be fine. Yeah, I know. The idea that you were standby when you showed up to the airport is a surprise. It right. just boggles my mind. And I don't think we would have. I know we wouldn't have been upset if we knew we were standby. No. No. The thing we was is we stood in line for an hour to go up to check in to get a seat assigned. And she goes, oh, you're standby. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Right. That That is a surprise. That That's that's not a good surprise. You know, you talk about surprises are bad. Always. Surprises are not always bad. I'm sorry. Well, and you know me. I want to get angry and choke the bitch across the counter. But I am in a foreign country that I want to leave. You're in a foreign country, and that chick was three times your size. I think I she could have taken you. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. Yeah, I don't know. She looked She looked like she was some kind of freaking weightlifter. She was just I, she angry. She scared me. She got to work at, let's see, we got at the airport at 3.15. I think they started to work at like 4. Well, I, I would tell you that it, she'd have given it a value and effort. And win, lose, or draw, you'd have been stuck in Ireland still. Right. Yeah. It. it I, what kind of... Uh, Although that wouldn't worry, I wouldn't have been upset. The thing that was off-putting to me was there was no, there was no customer service. There was absolutely no sympathy from these people when we were like, "Why are we on standby?" And and they're like, "Eh," well, and ignored us. That's and why I'm, your ticket was booked. Yeah, and I'm and I'm like, it, it, "Well, fine, explain that to me." They didn't do it. No, well, they they don't care. As far as they're concerned, you did it. No, they don't care. And we and and to be fair, we we. We flew cattle class, so they don't really care anyway. But, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, so. It, hey, I was closest to the bathroom. That is bonus. That that, that was kind of handy. But, but to, your seat doesn't recline. Actually, it did. Actually, it did in, the big, in no. the big Airbus. The back one does recline. See, I've been in a couple of those where it just didn't. That's because yeah. that's the small domestic yeah. probably, but this one had recline. No, I did that one time going to Hong Kong, and, yeah, that was bad. But to kind of bring this back around, you know, have you have your security plan, you know, and and know that you're not going to have the tools that you normally would if you're at home. Um, plan accordingly. Make sure that your your situational awareness is up to par. Make sure that you know where you're at relative to where you should be, um, and that meaning, you know, where's your hotel? Where's your transportation points? Um, Where's if you're in a group? Where's the rest of your group? Keep track of them. Uh, we we did that at one point. We we did uh, a walking tour of Dublin, and when we got to the end of the tour, we were a mile and a half from our hotel, and we had taken a very circuitous route through the city because we had to visit all of these historical locations and see this and that and the other. 
And at the end of it, our our tour guide, and and, and this is kind of a funny story, and we're going to run a little long because this is you guys will enjoy this. Um, but at the end of the tour, she just like straight up ghosted us. She's like, and that's the end. Goodbye. Your hotel's that way. Cool. It's a humor. Oh, that, God. That was on purpose. Sense of humor. So, like, she's like 90. Okay. So, I look at the rest of our group on this tour and I'm like, hey, at least it'll be a nice slow walk. Oh, hell no. No. I swear to God, she runs a marathon because she is three blocks ahead of all of us at any given time. Oh, she we were. does it every day, all oh, day. We, yeah. Because we were running to catch up. I mean, there was times, you know, we're, we're and, I, and, and I'm doing the, the recon thing, right? I'm I'm kind of staying middle of the pack and making sure I'm keeping track of the rest of our group, making sure nobody falls behind and gets lost and left behind. And I turn around and now she's a block and a half in front of me and I'm like, "Crap, guys, we got to go." And 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 it is a, you know, 80-year-old lady, uh, it, knowledgeable as can be. Her her father was the first president after Southern Ireland gained their independence. So she knew some things. That could have been a good tour. Oh, it, it was incredible. It was a great tour, but you couldn't hear small little old lady, small voice, 27 people in our group. It's windy, and it's rain. Surprise raining. Yeah, right. <sighs> you know, but, you know, it was one of those things where I, I made sure to keep track of some, some very specific landmarks that I knew. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we finished the tour... Well, there was there was three or four people that jumped in with us because I looked at you and, you know, we decided, okay, let's run back to the hotel. We'll, you know, go to the bathroom, grab a jacket, do this, the other, whatever, and then we'll go out and we'll do our own thing. And there was three or four other people that globbed on to us and went, do you know where you're going? And I went, yes. Um, See that? That's this. Our hotel is about three blocks past that. We're following you. Because they, they had no idea where they even were. Again, situational awareness. Right. You became their security plan. Well, and, 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 and one of them had questioned me on the, on the tour as we're doing it because I kept turning around and looking behind us. Um, and, the, and that was a trick that I learned uh, when I was doing a lot of mountaineering. You always turn around and look at the terrain behind you because you're going to have to go back that way, know what you're looking at. That's Land Nav 101. Right. Um. And and so I was doing that constantly, and and I had one of one of their our other people that was on our tour. Um, she asked me about it. She's like, "How come you keep turning around and looking back?" I'm like, "So I know where we came from, so I can get back." And and it was it it was that look of I never even considered that. Uh, it and we see that all the time with with students. So self-defense in Ireland, the best thing I can say is carry a pocket full of corn. Somebody comes after you, throw corn at said person, and the seagulls and pigeons will take him the fuck out. I figured I'd just push him out in the middle of the street. The Wait. traffic will take care of it. So your your plan for self-defense is a pocket full of corn. Yeah, the birds will do the rest. Dude, those seagulls there could take away small children. They were no bullshit. So... Airport and um, tourist shops. Um, a little baggie of corn with Brandy's endorsement of self-defense corn is a good thing to do. Yeah. I'll be damned. Corn. Self-defense what? corn. So are we going to like alpaca this shit or what? I think you should have seen the little girl scream. There was a gentleman in the 
one of the islands. It's in the middle of the road. And he had a bucket of corn that he was tossing around and he was getting the pigeons to land on him while they landed on her. She lost her shit. <laughs> See, that's all it takes. Self-defense corn. You have a new side gig that might be your retirement plan. Feeding the pigeons? Self-defense corn. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm down. You know what? People will buy anything. I, you're absolutely right. Went to Alaska one time, and as you land, you go through the tourist shops there, and they have, you know, bear awareness bells. You know, these little bells you can clip to yourself that, you know, you don't want to alarm a bear in the bush, right? Grizzly bear poop has bells in it. smells like pepper. Well, you see that as a novelty on the way back out because they separate you at the airport, right? And so coming in, you can, you buy the bells, and leaving, you buy the novelty bear poop with the bells in it. Right. That's just funny stuff to me. <laughs> so if if you intend to travel internationally, know that you're not going to have the tools available that you normally would. Um, so that being said, you, you've got to have your wits about you. A pocket full of corn. Yeah, pocket full of corn. Put the goddamn phone away. Yep. Um, you know, yes, they're handy for navigation in, in foreign places. But put the phone away. Um, as much as you can, keep some spatial awareness. You know, um, make sure nobody's getting too close to you, especially um, if they are getting close to you with intent. Look for that. Make eye contact with people. Make uh, you know, make it known that you know they're there. Uh, that's going to deter a lot. Open up a conversation. Mm-hmm. That that dialogue will go a long ways to diffusing any circumstance that might be coming up. Um, I can't tell you how many times that the, the folks that look down at their feet and move off when you address them directly, they're the ones that were probably looking to do something a little shady and got noticed doing it. And they don't want to be noticed doing it. Right. They're going to find somebody that's an easier target that is not aware and make it something they can get away with. Right. So engage people. Mm-hmm. You're there to be part of the culture. Be part of it. Well, and don't and don't be afraid if you if you find yourself in a, in an uncomfortable situation where you've got somebody that's showing any kind of aggression towards you, get loud. You're you're in a lot of of people. And carry corn. Carry corn. And the tourist gets a lot of slack. Mm-hmm. You don't know the local customs or the mannerisms. You're expected to act kind of inappropriate. Right. Just because you don't know any better, and if you get loud because you feel unsafe. People are going to pay attention, mm-hmm. kind of. It's kind of like a car alarm. you got to be prepared for the fact that they might just blow you off, right. too. Right. Right. But, you know, if you're drawing attention to yourself, the the hope is that you're going to draw the right attention, that you're, you're going to draw attention of the authorities, especially in a place like that that is heavily, heavily surveilled. Um, and, and I think most countries are actually like that, uh, especially if they are you know, first world countries. Um, you know, I, I don't know a lot of people that are traveling to third world countries per se. Um, even if they are, they're staying in a touristy area that's usually pretty heavily surveilled. I insist on it. I've been to several third world countries and some that probably don't even qualify as that. Mm -hmm. And there's always a lodge or a resort or a family member or somebody I know that, is going to be right there for me. Right. Um, but, yeah, that the, the 
the harder the circumstances, the more important it is that you're around familiar surroundings. That's right. So, you know, it, if, if you're planning travel, I, I encourage it. Go go get some culture. Find, you know, learn some history. Learn, learn about a, a different culture, a different place. Um, the, the world is is not as big as it once was but it's bigger than you would think it is and 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 we live in we live in a bubble uh where we kind of think that our way is the only way and the best way and, and and it's not necessarily so uh there's a lot of really amazing wonderful places to go see and i encourage you to travel and see and learn um but just take a few steps and and pay attention and and be ready to roll with with some of the punches cuz you know we all know that travel is what it is and once you're on that plane you're kind of at the mercy um so go have fun uh be aware be careful and unfortunately when you're out there you can't blame your gun blame the corn blame the corn valid keep blaming the corn